Wild Earth, an O. Henry Memorial Award Prize Story of 1921. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Wild Earth by Sophie Kerr from the Saturday Evening Post. Part 1 the big department store so terrified wesley dean that he got no farther than five steps beyond the entrance crowds of well-dressed ladies milling around like cattle the noise of many feminine voices the excessive warmth and the heady odor of powder and perfume the toilet goods were grouped very near the door all combined to bewilder and frighten him he got out before the floor walker of the center aisle could so much as ask him what he wanted once outside he stood in the spring wind and meditated there must be other stores in baltimore little ones where a man could buy things in quiet and decency until the four o'clock motor stage started for frederick he had nothing to do he stuck his hands in his pockets and started down the crowded crookedness of lexington street he reached the market and strolled through it leisurely feeling very much at home with the meats and vegetables and the good country look of many of the stall-keepers its size amazed him but then he'd always heard that baltimore was a big city and so many people must take a lot to eat he went on all the way through and after a little hesitation struck down a quiet street to the right but he saw no shops of the sort he was looking for and he had thoughts of going back and braving the big store again he turned again and again, pleased by the orderly rows of red brick with white trim houses, homey-looking places in spite of their smallness and close setting. At last, right in the middle of a row of these, he saw a large window set in place of the two usual smaller ones, a window filled with unmistakable feminine stuff, and the sign, small, neatly gilt-lettered, Miss Tolman's Ladies' Shop hem stitching done there wasn't a soul going in or out so he braved it and was happier still when he found himself the sole customer the opening of the door made a bell tinkle in a back room a girl came through parted green wool curtains a girl so flaxen-haired with such blue eyes like a friendly kitten that wesley dean almost forgot the errand that had brought him so far as for the girl she was surprised to see a man and particularly a young countryman among the gloves and stockings cheap pink under things and embroideries of miss tolman's shop you got any any aprons he stammered white aprons or gingham the girl's smile helped wesley a great deal a very nice girl he decided but she made him feel queer light-headed i'm not sure ma'am when i came away from home this morning i asked aunt dulcie did she need anything and she said yes a couple of aprons but she didn't say what kind the girl thought it over i guess maybe if it's for your auntie she'd want white aprons her mistake gave him a chance for the conversation which he felt a most surprising wish to make no she's not my auntie she's the old colored woman keeps house for me Oh, she was a very nice girl something about the way she held her head made wesley think of his spunky little riding mare teeny hmm then i think you'd be safe to get a gingham anyway a gingham apron comes in handy to anybody working round a kitchen we got some nice big ones 
Aunt Dulcie's not so awful big, not any bigger'n you, but heavier set like. There is a distinct advance in friendly intimacy when one has one size considered in relation to a customer's needs, particularly when the consideration shows how little a man knows about women's garments. The girl reached beneath the counter and brought up an armful of blue and white checked aprons. She unfolded them deftly, and Wesley saw that she had small, strong hands and round wrists. These got bibs and nice long strings cover you all up while you're cooking. They're a dollar. His gaze intent on her rather than the aprons brought her eyes to his. Good-looking but country was her swift appraisal, adding to it, and what a funny mark he's got on his forehead. It was true. His young, hawk-like face, tan brown by sun and wind, was made strangely grim by a dark vein on his brow, which lent a frowning shadow to his whole visage. And yet the eyes she had looked into were shy and gentle, and reassuringly full of open admiration. If you think she'll like em, I'll take two, he said after an instant's pause. I'm sure she'll like em. They're good gingham, and real well made. We don't keep shoddy stuff. You could go into the one of the big stores and get aprons for fifty, sixty cents, but they wouldn't be good value. The soft cadence of her voice gave Wesley a strange and stifled feeling around the heart. He must, he must stay and talk to her. Hardly knowing what he said, he burst into loquacity. I did go into one of the big stores, and it sort of scared me. Everything so stuffy and heaped up, and such a lot of people. I don't get down to Baltimore very often, you see. I do most of my buying right in Frederick. But I'd broke my disker, and if you send, it's maybe weeks before the implement house will tend to you. So I just come down and got the piece, so there won't be but one day lost. The girl looked up at him again, and he could feel his heart pound against his ribs. This time she was a little wistful. They say it's really pretty country out round Frederick. I've never been out of Baltimore, except to go down the bay on excursions. Betterton and Love Point and places like that. It makes a grand sale in hot weather. She handed him the package and picked up the two bills he had laid down on the counter. There was plainly no reason for his further lingering, but he had an artful idea. Look here. Maybe I ought to get Aunt Dulcia a white apron, too. Maybe she won't want the gingham ones at all. The girl looked surprised at such extravagance. But if she doesn't, you can bring him back when you come to Baltimore again, and we'd exchange him, she argued mildly. No, I better get the white one now. She puts on a white apron evenings, he added craftily. A box of white aprons was lifted from the shelf and a choice made. But even that transaction could not last forever, as Wesley Dean was desperately aware. Look here. Are you Miss Tolman? he burst out. I saw the name outside on the window. Mercy, no. Miss Tolman's a kind of cousin of mine. She's fifty-two, and she can't hardly get through that door there. He disregarded the description, for the second bundle was being tied up fast. He had never seen anyone tie so fast, he thought. My name's Wesley Dean, and I got a farm in the mountains back of Frederick. Say, I don't want you to think I'm fresh, but... But, say, would you go to the movies with me tonight? It had come to him in a flash that he could disregard the seat in the four o'clock bus and go back tomorrow morning. Sweat stood out on his forehead and on his curving, clean-shaven upper lip. 
His boy's eyes hung on hers pleading all the happiness of his life He felt waited for this girl's answer this little yellow-haired girl whom he had never seen until a quarter of an hour before well she hesitated i i don't like to have you think i'd pick up like this with any fellow that came along i don't think so he broke in fiercely if i thought so i'd never asked you there was a strange breathless moment in that tiny cluttered shop a moment such as some men and women are lucky enough to feel once in a lifetime it's the moment when the heart's wireless sends its clear message this is my woman and this is my man the flaxen-haired girl and the dark boy were caught in the golden magic of it and half scared half ecstatic were thrown into confusion i'll go she whispered breathlessly there's a little park a block down the street i'll be there at seven o'clock by the statue i'll be there waiting for you he replied and because he could not bear the strange sweet pain that filled him he plunged out of the shop jerking the door so that the little bell squealed with surprise he had forgotten his packages also as he remembered presently he did not even know her name he was at the feet of the statue in the park by half-past six and spent a restless half-hour there in the cool spring twilight perhaps she would not come perhaps he had frightened her even as he had frightened himself by this inexplicable boldness other girls passed by and some of them glanced with a coquettish challenge at the handsome tall youth with his frowning brow but he didn't even see them presently and it was just on the stroke of seven he saw her coming hesitantly and with an air of complete and proper primness she had on a plain little shabby suit and hat but round her throat was a string of beads of a blue to match her eyes an enticing naive harmony she carried the forgotten aprons and handed them to him gravely you left these she said and then to regularize the situation my name's anita smithers i ought to have told you this afternoon but i guess i was kind of forgetful too and that made them both smile and the smile left them less shy he stuffed the forgotten aprons into his overcoat pocket i was so afraid you wouldn't come where can we go i don't know anything much about the city i'd like to take you to a nice picture show the best there is she flushed with the glory of it there's a real nice picture house only a little ways from here they've got a pauline frederick film on and i'm just crazy about pauline frederick by this time they were walking sedately out of the park not daring to look at each other she watched him while he bought the tickets and then a box of caramels from the candy stand inside he knows what to do she thought proudly he's not a bit of a hick do you go to the pictures a lot he asked when they were seated most every night i'm just crazy about em i expect you've got steady company then the question fairly jerked out of him she shook her head no i almost always go by myself my girlfriend she goes with me sometimes he sighed with relief they got good picture shows in frederick i go most every saturday night but you don't live right in frederick you said he seized the chance to tell her about himself oh my no i live back in the mountains say i just wish you could see my place it's up high and you can look out ever so far everything kind of drops away below and you can see the river and the woods 
and it takes different colors according to the season and the weather some days when i'm plowing or disking and i get up on the ridge it's so high up and far away seems like i'm on top of the whole world it's lonesome it's off the pike you see but i like it here in the city everything crowds on you so close she had listened with the keenest interest that's so it must be grand to get off by yourself and have plenty room i get so tired of that squinched in narrow stuffy shop and the place where i board is worse i don't make enough to have a room by myself there's two other girls in with me and seems like we're always underfoot to each other and there isn't any parlor and we got only one bureau for the three of us and you can guess what a mess that is and the closets about as big as a pocket handkerchief ain't you got any folks the blue eyes held a sudden mist nobody but miss tolman and she's only a distant cousin ma died two years ago she used to sew but she wasn't strong and we never could get ahead my folks are all gone too how little and alone she was but how much nearer to him her aloneness brought her he wanted to put his hand over hers and tell her that he would take care of her that she need never be alone again but the beginning of the film choked back the words he poked the box of caramels at her and she took it opened it with a murmured oh my thank you and presently they both had sweetly bulging cheeks where their elbows touched on the narrow chair arm made tingling thrills run all over him once she gave him an unconscious nudge of excitement out of the corner of his eye he studied her delicate side face as she sat with her lips parted intent on the film she's pretty and she's good thought wesley dean i expect she's too good for me but that unwontedly humble thought did not alter it a hair's breadth that she must be his the deans had their ways always the veins in their wrists and the vein in his forehead beat with his hot purpose he shifted so that his arm did not touch hers for he found the nearness of her disturbing he could not plan or think clearly while she was so close and he must think clearly when the last flicker of the feature was over and the comic and the news had wrung their last laugh and gasp of interest from the crowd they joined the slow exit of the audience in silence on the sidewalk however she found her voice it was an awful nice picture she said softly most the nicest i ever saw look here let's go somewhere and have a hot chocolate or some soda or ice cream he broke in hurriedly he could not let her go with so much yet unsaid oh would you like an oyster stew in a regular restaurant yes that'd be better come on it isn't late well after all those caramels i shouldn't think an oyster stew you can have something else then the main thing was to get her at a table opposite him where they wouldn't have to hurry away let's go in there he pointed toward a small restaurant across the street where red candlelights glimmered warmly through panelled lace but that looks like such a stylish place she protested even as she let him guide her toward it but it was not so stylish when they got inside and the appearance of the stout woman evidently both proprietor and cashier who presided over the scene at a table on a low platform near the door reassured them both and the red candle shades were only crinkled paper the lace curtains showed many careful darns 
a rebellious boy of fourteen in a white jacket and apron evidently the proprietor's son came to take their order after a good bit of urging anita said that she would take a ham sandwich and a cup of coffee wesley ordered an oyster stew for himself and coffee and then grandly added that they would both have vanilla and chocolate ice cream he looks as if he just hated being a waiter said anita indicating the departing boy servitor should think he would said wesley he put his arms on the table and leaned toward her i was going home this afternoon till i saw you i stayed over just to see you again i've got to go back in the morning for i've not got my spring work done but you're going with me the vein on his forehead heightened his look of desperate determination he was not so much a suitor as a commander you haven't got any folks and neither have i so that makes it easy i'll come for you in the morning about eight o'clock and we'll go get a license and get married and then we can get the ten o'clock bus out to frederick oh girl i never saw anyone like you i i'll be good to you i'll take care of you it don't matter if i didn't ever see you till this afternoon i'd never find anybody else that i want so much in a hundred thousand years i've not got a lot of money but the farm's mine all free and clear and if my wheat turns out all right i'll have a thousand dollars cash outright come the end of the year even after the taxes are paid and everything won't you look at me anita won't you tell me something don't you like me the girl had listened with her eyes cast down her hands nervously picking at the edge of the tablecloth but he was not mistaken in her she had wherewith to meet him and her gaze was honest without coquetry or evasion oh i do like you she cried with quick color i do i do i always thought somebody like you'd come along some day just like this and then it just seemed foolish to expect it but look here i told you a story right off my name's not anita it's annie i took to pretending it's anita because it does seem sort of silly but i got to tell you because i saw it in the movies and it seemed sort of cute and different and annie's such a plain common name but i couldn't let you go on talking like that and calling me by it now could i the mutinous young waiter brought their food and thumped it truculently down before them look out said dean with a sudden violent harshness the vein in his forehead darkening ominously what do you think you're doing feeding cattle the boy drew back in confusion and annie exclaimed oh he didn't mean it anything against us he's just mad because he has to be a waiter well he'd better be careful kids can be too smart aleck the little gust had deflected them away from their own affairs but annie brought them back she leaned toward him you make me kind of afraid of you if you ever spoke to me like that it just about kill me he was contrite why i couldn't ever speak to you like that honey it just made me mad the way he banged things down in front of you i don't want people to treat you like that and you look so fierce too scowling so all the time he put up a brown finger and touched his savage vein now now you mustn't mind my look all the dean men are marked like that it's in the blood it don't mean a thing he smiled winningly i reckon if you're beginning to scold me you're going to marry me huh something very sweet and womanly leaped in annie's blue eyes i i reckon i am she said 
and then confessed herself a brave adventurer and philosopher in one yes i'd be a fool to sit round and make excuses and pretend it wouldn't do to be so out of the ordinary when here you are and here i am and it means our whole lives i don't care either if i didn't ever set eyes on you till today i know you're all right and that what you say is true and i feel as if i'd known you for years and years that's the way i felt about you the minute i looked at you oh he gave a vast and shaking sigh i can't hardly believe my luck eat up your supper and let's get out of here maybe there's some stores open yet and i could buy you a ring and i have to be in my boarding-house by half-past ten offered annie or i'll be locked out what the girls are going to say when i come in and tell them she looked at him with intense and piteous question the question that every woman at the moment of surrender asks sometimes with her lips but always with her heart it is going to be all right isn't it and you'll be good to me so help me god said young wesley dean the farm lay high as wesley had said indeed all the way from baltimore they had seemed to be going into the hills those placidly rounding friendly maryland hills that rise so softly so gradually that the traveller is not conscious of ascent the long straight road dips across them gallantly a silver band of travel to tie them to the city with little cities or towns pendant from it at wide intervals trees edge it with a fringe of green poor trees maimed by the trimmer's saws and shears into twisted caricatures of what a tree should be because the telegraph wires and telephone wires must pass and oaks and locusts and pines and maples must be butchered of their spreading branches to give them room it was along this highway that the motor bus filled with passengers and baggage and driven with considerably more haste than discretion carried the newly married pair annie's eyes grew wide at the wonder and beauty of it she was not at all afraid she snuggled her hand into wes's and loved it and loved him too with his look of pride and joy in her she was content to be silent and let him talk now and then she looked at the little turquoise ring on her finger above the shiny new wedding ring and loved that too for he had chosen it at once from the trayful offered them blurting out that she must have it because it matched her eyes all this country out here is rich he bragged but frederick county is far the richest land of all richest in the state maybe richest in the whole united states i don't know and all the farms are big great big farms and great big teams to till em people don't use mules here so much as they do over on the eastern shore and there's not any sand like there is over there in spots that is what's that man doing asked annie alertly plowin say didn't you ever see a man plowin before only in the movies said annie unabashed do you ever plow he laughed outright say you're going to be some little farmer's wife i can see that yes'm i plow a little now and then it's like fancy work awful fascinating and once you get started you don't want to stop till you got a whole field done quit kidding say annie do you know a chicken when you see it walking round or a turkey or a guinea keet we got em all and dulcy she takes care of em i'd like to take care of em i'll feed em if she'll show me how and dulcy'll show you 
She'll be tickled to death to have somebody feed em when she's got the misery. At Frederick, they left the big motor bus and got into Wes's own rackety flivver, the possession of which delighted Annie's heart. My land, I never thought I'd get married to a man that owned an automobile, she confessed with flattering frankness in her voice. This ain't an automobile, said Wes. It's a coffee pot, and an awful mean one. Sometimes she won't boil no matter what I do. The coffee pot on this particular day chose to boil. They rattled merrily out of Frederick and off into the higher hills beyond. It was a little afternoon when they reached the farm. They had to turn off the pike and take a winding wood road rough and muddy from the spring rains. All through the budding green of the trees, dogwood had hung out white bridal garlands for them, and there were violets in all the little mossy hollows. At last they came through to the clearing, where lay the farm, right on the ridge, its fields smiling in the sun, a truce of nature with man's energy and persistence, and yet not a final truce. For all around, the woods crept up to the open and thrust in tentative fingers, tiny pine trees, sprouts and seedlings of hardwood, scraps of underbrush, all trying to gain a foothold, and even when cut and overturned by the sharp plough, still clinging tenaciously to their feeble rooting. It looks somehow, said Annie, vaguely understanding this, as if the trees and things were just waiting to climb over the walls. And that's what they are, said Wesley Dean, the time I put in grubbing. Well, let's go in and see Aunt Dulcie. He had told her, coming out, that he was afraid she would find the house sort of plain, but just the space of it delighted her. The rooms were bare and square, whitewashed exquisitely, the furniture dark old cherry and walnut of a style three generations past. There were no blinds or curtains, and in the streaming sunlight Annie could see that everything was clean and polished to the last flicker of high light. Here and there were bits of color, crimson and blue in the rag carpet, golden brass candlesticks on the mantel, a red-beaded mat on the table under the lamp, the lamp itself clear glass and filled with red kerosene that happily repeated the tint of the mat. It all pleased Annie, touching some hitherto untwanged chord of beauty in her nature, and there was about it the unmistakable atmosphere of home. Old-fashioned, but sort of swell, too, she decided. Looks kind of like some of the parlors of those old houses on Charles Street that I used to rubber into in the evenings when the lights were lit and they'd forgot to put the blinds down. She liked the impassive, almost Egyptian face of Aunt Dulcie, too. The old colored woman had received her with a serious regard, but friendly. Miss Wes, he startled me mighty frequent, but he never startled me with no marrying before, she said. Honey, it'll be mighty nice to have a pretty young gal in the house. I'll serve ye the best I kin, faithful and steady, like I always serve him. If I'd a known you was a comin', I'd show had something for dinner today besides greens and poke, cracklin' pone and apple dumplings. That's nothing for a wedding dinner. But when they came to eat it, it was delicious. The greens delicately seasoned, not greasy. The salt pork home-cured and sweet. The cracklin' pone crumbling with richness. And the apple dumpling a delight of spicy flavor. They sat opposite each other, in as a matter-of-fact fashion as if they'd been married for years. 
They were young and exceedingly hungry, and hunger destroys self-consciousness. The china was very old, white plates with a curving pattern of blue leaves and yellow berries. The knives and forks were polished steel with horn handles. The spoons were silver. Old, handmade, rat-tail spoons they were, with the mark of the smith's mallet still upon them, and the initials W.D. cut in uneven letters. Those were my great-granddad's, said Wesley. Same name as mine. He had them made out of silver money by a man down in Frederick. They must be nearly a hundred years old. My great-granddad, he was the man that bought this land and began to clear it. He wanted to be away off from everybody. Why? asked Annie, interested in the story. The vein on Wesley's forehead seemed to grow larger and darker as he answered. Oh, he got into trouble, knocked a man down, and the fellow struck his head on a stone and died. It didn't come to trial, it really was an accident, but it didn't make Grandad popular. Not that he cared. He was a hard-headed, hard-fisted old son of a gun, if there ever was one, according to the stories they tell about him. What were they fighting about? Oh, I dunno. Grandad was high-tempered, and this fellow was sort of a smart aleck. Gave him some lip about something, and dared him to touch him. And quick's a wink, Grandad punched him. At least that's the way I always heard it. Probably they've both been taking too much hard cider. Bring me another dumpling, Aunt Dulcie, please. As the old woman entered, bringing the dumpling, Annie fancied there were both warning and sympathy in her eyes. Why? She couldn't imagine. In a moment she forgot it, for Wesley was looking at her hard. It's funny, he said, to think. I only saw you yesterday, and that we got married this morning. Seems as if you've been here for years and years. Does it seem awful strange to you, honey? No, said Annie. No, it doesn't. It's queer, but all the way here and when I come into the house, I had a sense of having been here before some time kind of as if it were my home all along and I hadn't known about it so it was and if I hadn't ever met you I'd been an old batch all my life yes you would yes I wouldn't they were both laughing now he got up and stretched himself well mrs. Dean he said I gotta go out and fix my disker and you gotta come along I don't want to let you out of my sight you might fly off somewhere and I'd never find you again don't you worry about that. You couldn't lose me if you tried. They went through the kitchen, and there was a tall, gaunt, old-colored man rose and bowed respectfully. He and Aunt Dulcie were having their own dinner at the kitchen table. This here's Unc Zenas, said Wesley. He's Aunt Dulcie's husband and helps me on the place. And again Annie saw, this time in the old man's eyes, the flicker of sympathy and apprehension that she had marked in Aunt Dulcie's. And right glad to welcome you, Missy, said Unc Zenas. We didn't expect Mars West to bring home a wife when as he left, but that ain't no sign that it ain't a mighty fine thing. They went out into the mellow spring day. Wesley Dean, now in his blue overalls and working shirt, became a king in his own domain, a part of the fair primitiveness about them. It was as if he had sprung from this dark, fertile soil was made of its elements at one with it here he belonged and the very spring of the earth beneath his feet was repeated in the measured beating of his blood the land could not warp or break him as it does so many 
for he belonged to it as essentially and as completely as it belonged to him dimly the little town girl beside him felt this and dimly she hoped that she too might prove to be of the same mold look at the barn and the stables and the corn crib he was saying see how they're all built and hewn logs chinked with plaster great granddad built them all helped by his two slaves that's all the slaves he had just two and one of them was uncle zenas's grandfather everything strong and sound as the day he finished it that one looks newer said annie pointing wesley looked a little shamefaced as does every typical anglo-saxon discovered in sentiment i built that he confessed it's a chicken house somehow i didn't want to go down to the sawmill and get planks and build with them amongst all these old log things so i got the logs out in the woods and built same as great granddad maybe it was foolish but i couldn't help it it wasn't foolish it was nice she affirmed she perched on the tongue of a wagon while he mended the disker dividing her attention between him and the live things of the barnyard a string of decorative white ducks marched in single file about the edge of a cow pound beyond them a proud red wattled cock paraded and purred among his harem of trim hens now and then disturbed in his dignity by the darting nervousness of a pair of malicious guineas acknowledged brigands of the feathered tribes trim iridescent pigeons toddled about on their coral feet looking for leftovers from the chickens table say wes i should think you'd have a dog she said suddenly a nice big dog lazing round here would sort of complete it he bent suddenly over his disker and gave the nut he was working on a mighty twist but he had tossed aside his hat and she could see the sudden jump and darkening of his menacing vein i had a dog he said in a low voice but he died a curious restraint fell on them and for the first time annie felt herself an alien a stranger far adrift from familiar shores she shivered in the light wind you cold you better go in the house and get something round you wes said to her i guess i'd better and she left him hammering in the house she found aunt dulcie in the big bedroom over the living room she had just finished remaking the bed an old maple four-poster the wood a soft and mellowed orange fine and colorful against the white quilt the lace-edged pillow slips i put on clean sheets said aunt dulcie as annie hesitated on the threshold yes'm i put on everything clean and the best i know what's fitten my child this year the third bridal bed i made up for wives of the dean men something caught in annie's throat terrified her this old black woman with her remoteness her pitying wise eyes what did she mean annie wanted terribly to ask her but how begin how get through this wall of inscrutability which the black and yellow races have raised for their protection she fluttered nearer to the old woman look she began tremulously look it's all right isn't it my marrying him so quick i haven't got any folks and i suppose i haven't got much sense but there was something about him that just made me trust him and 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 want him but it was all so quick and now i'm here it seems like maybe there was something oh you tell me wouldn't you it's all right isn't it 
the old woman considered it's all right if you're all right she pronounced at length but but what do you mean and, and look here aunt dulcie tell me what he do to that dog he had what you know about any dog i don't know anything but when i asked him why he didn't have a dog he was queer it scared me don't be scared there ain't nothing to be scared of about mars wes everything all right if you got patience and if you got sense and if you got heart enough spirit and sense go far but the heart going carry you through now i said my say her tone mellowed into unctuous kindness what you want missy some aunt dulcie can fotch you tell me what it is for i got to be up and about my work i got a wedding cake to make yet this evening yes ma'am i go make you a wedding cake fill the biggest pan in the kitchen she helped annie rummage in her trunk and got out the sweater she had come in for and it was not until the girl was running back to the barns that she realized aunt dulcie had not answered her question but the old woman's words had steadied her reassured her and wes received her gaily his repairs were done his team in harness and ready to start it's a shame he said we ought to go off down to town and play round and have a big time but i'm so behind with my disking annie honey you see i had to stay over in baltimore a day fact important business he winked at her jocosely so i've got to work rest of the day and that's what comes of marrying a farmer farm work don't even wait on a bride not even the prettiest bride in the world he stooped to kiss her and she held tight to his arm i don't mind you go on about your business and i'll get all unpacked and settled but don't be late to supper aunt dulcie's making us a wedding cake she watched him as he drove down the lane and turned into the field and steadied the first straining rush of his team again she felt her abandonment her utter forlornity her distance from everything she had known and been accustomed to but once more she proved herself an adventurer and a philosopher shrugging her shoulders she turned back to the house it may be a funny way to get married but everything's all right until it stops being all right and and i like it here end of part one of wild earth